Hey, good morning, Life Church, and I am so glad to be with you. And it might not be morning, it might be afternoon, it might be nighttime. I know some of you are out of town. Dominic, I'm thinking about you, and uh, I want you to focus in here, buddy. Uh, I want to start off with a story as we um, uh, kick off our message this morning. And uh, it's um, four people were traveling in an airplane, and the plane's engines cut out. They were going cross-country, and it's about to crash. And uh, the only problem is there's three parachutes. So the pilot comes out and says, we're not going to make it. Uh, we only have three parachutes. I'm the pilot. This is my plane. I'm taking one of the parachutes. He takes a parachute, jumps out of the plane, and poof, he's off. Second man says, I am uh, one of the um, greatest scientific minds in our country, and our country will not survive the current challenges it's facing without my mind. And so he takes the second pack and jumps out of the plane. The third man is a humble pastor. And he says to the fourth uh, passenger, son, I'm old and I've lived a full life and I'm not afraid of death. So you go ahead and take the third parachute. And the young boy, 10 years old, says, that's okay, pastor. America's smartest man just grabbed my backpack and jumped out of an airplane. <laughs> and we're in the middle of a series on the book of Proverbs called Life is Hard, but it's harder when you're stupid. And the funny thing is about being stupid is we may be really smart in one area, but that does not mean we know all things. In fact, we can be deceived into believing we know all things. And, and that story is kind of a funny, humorous illustration of a really serious proverb. Proverbs 16, 18. And we're going to look at that right now. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. And in this case, that proud spirit took a literal fall. And this proverb stating a principle about pride that pride... The preoccupation with our own importance or power or abilities can lead us to make choices, listen, can lead us to make choices that lead us into places of destruction we never saw coming. The funny part about that story is this man was brilliant and he thought he knew, he thought he was seeing reality in its fullness and he knew everything he needed to know and the truth was, he never saw it coming. And we don't want to go down that road. And this series, this message, it's so important because really what it's about is winning and losing in life. It's about winning and losing in life. And Hebrews 12 succinctly talks about this truth that we want to understand this morning because God wants you to win at life. But the truth is, there are forces assailed against you to set you and I up to lose. Spiritual forces uh, that that are um, can hinder us. So look at what Hebrews 12 says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Is there something hindering you in your race this morning? And the sin that so easily entangles us, ties us up. And what do we do? Let us run with perseverance the what? The race marked out. For us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. God has a race marked out for you and I. 
And he wants us to win it. That's what this passage is saying. But don't, we can't be foolish. We can't be ignorant. Um, we have to understand there are spiritual forces. There are forces of sin that will knock us down, that will derail us, that will take us out, that will overwhelm us if we don't pay attention to them. So let me pause and ask you a really important question here. Do you know what the besetting sins of your life are? Do you know what the sin, those places where we go off the road, what are those sins that entangle you and tie you up and hold you hostage and keep you from moving forward? Do you know what they are? You see, it's hard to fight something we can't see. That's why vision matters so much. Not just physical vision, but a vision of what's real and true and, 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 actual, and reality. But remember this, God wants you and I to win this race. And that's why this series matters. And that's why today's topic matters, because we're going to talk about the one sin that entangles everybody. It's the one we can guarantee that we have, and it's called pride. It's called pride. And in fact, the church over the centuries, um, and we won't go down this road. Hopefully at some point we'll do a series on the seven deadly sins because I think they're really pertinent. But the church, when it was trying to help disciple people and help them understand uh, how to live a godly life and what were the things that could take them out, basically came down to these seven are the deadliest. These are the things that have the greatest spiritual impact and can derail us the most readily. They're the ones we have in common. They're the ones we have to be aware of. And I'm not going to give you the whole list right now, but I'm going to tell you that pride is the first of those sins. It's the chief of those sins. And uh, the Bible says the same. That's what the Bible teaches. So we're going to look at three questions today. What is pride? Why is it deadly? And how can you and I begin to battle it? So let's look at what is pride. We're going to read a couple of Proverbs here because I want us to understand that in the book of Proverbs, one of the key underlying themes is pride and humility and how that uh, hurts or helps us develop wisdom and insight and healthy relationships. Pride and humility is a key theme in this book. And so look at what Proverbs 3.34 says. The Lord mocks at mockers and mockers are those who disregard God and make it just look down and, and, and criticize and, and make fun of and disregard everybody else. It's, it's, it's this proud. It's a, it's a version of pride where I know better than you. I'm smarter than you and you're an idiot. God mocks mockers. And we're going to look at this verse because it's one of the most, it's a, one of the most quoted Proverbs in the new Testament. God mocks at mockers, but he shows favor to the humble. I'm going to tell you how it's quoted in the New Testament. The, um, in 1 Peter, it says, God opposes the proud, quoting this verse, because that's what mocks mockers means. God opposes the proud. So think about that. Who don't you want to ever have opposing you? Well, I'd say God. But gives grace, undeserved favor to the humble. And we're going to come back around to that. Proverbs 11.2, pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. See, they're again playing, humility leads us to wisdom. Pride leads us to disgrace. Pride, Proverbs 13.10, pride leads to 
arguments. How many of you are in conflicts right now and you're like, we seem to, con I constantly get in these fights with my spouse or my kid or at work. And um, pride may be actually the core uh, cause of that thing. Uh, pride leads to arguments. Those who take advice are wise. Proverbs 16.5, look at this, this is really strong. The Lord hates or despises pride. Be assured that the proud will be punished. The strong, strong words, all about pride and how um, uh, destructive it is, how, how it, it, it's anti-God, it is the anti-God state of mind. And the problem with pride from a biblical perspective, this is really important, is that it leaves God out of the picture. That's why pride is the first sin and, and, and the most um, insidious sin. It fails to recognize that God is great and God is good and, and God is worthy of worship. Uh, and that human achievement is only possible because of God's grace and God's goodness. See, pride pushes God off the throne and puts us there. And it has us believing that whatever good things have come our way, whatever we've attained in life are purely built out of our own hard work, our own good looks, our own smarts and talents and persistence. We make ourselves the source of all good things instead of God. That's the spirit of pride. And you've probably been around someone where you're like, I can't stand them. They're just so full of themselves, right? And, and uh, we'll come back around to pride. But one of the issues with pride is pride is um, very hard to spot. It's why in terms of the deadly sins, it's so hard to fight. When, you know, if someone commits murder, you go, oh my gosh, there's a dead body here. I just did something wrong. And you're like, why? Why would you say that? Or if someone commits adultery. It's like, oh, I woke up next to someone who's not my wife. I guess I just did something wrong. There's a lot of uh, very phys physicality to those sins and, and evidence that says uh, <laughs> it's hard to miss. Okay. And that's my point. Um, with pride, it's like air. It's like a carbon monoxide gas and, and you can have a hard time seeing it. And, um, and so the problem with pride, again, it puts us as the center of the universe rather than God. This is why, that's why Psalm 10.4 says this. Look at this. This is a great uh, synopsis of pride. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, listen, there is no room for God. Pride fills the room with self. And pushes God out. So what is pride? Let me give you, a, 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 I think, a, a good, clean definition. Pride is an unholy preoccupation with self. I almost said unhealthy. But you know what? It's unholy. It's unhealthy. It's, 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 it's wrong. And, and not because having some, uh, being uh, occupied with ourselves is important. You got to take care of yourself. Uh, you got to um, uh, attend to your needs and interests. That's all fine in its proper order. The problem with pride is it's preoccupation with self. It's occupied with ourselves first. Last week, Alex talked about um, an old, uh, one of the pithy wise sayings that I got from my mom, which was joy is Jesus first, others second, you third. And let's not get into all the weird ways we can just have no self-esteem. This is not what this is about. The point is it's about 
ordering our loves appropriately. Because Jesus said the greatest commandment is love yourself. I love God. Love others as you love yourself, which again is the uh, inference that we, of course, we love ourselves, but we have an ordering of our loves and God is first. And that's why that's so important. And pride pushes God out. Now, there's also a good kind of pride, and we want to mention that. When your kid does a good job, you're proud of them, that's awesome. That's, that's fine. That's like, hey, great job. Uh, or you, you, maybe you built something, and you're like, man, I feel so, so good about this. There's nothing wrong with feeling good about doing good work. The issue is, what's the source so, of, of that good work? And it's like, man, God, I'm thankful. You gave me talents. You gave me abilities, and I was able to do this thing, and I just feel really good about it. That's all beautiful. That's not what we're talking about. That's, that's a good form of, again, pride. But there's a nasty form of pride. C.S. Lewis, a really famous author, writes a lot of really uh, accessible stuff on this. And he wrote this about pride. Unchastity, which is sexual immorality. So someone who is acting out sexually in any way. Anger, greed, drunkenness are mere flea bites in comparison. Pride leads to every other vice. So why is it deadly? Well, we've already said this. Pride is the sin that separates us from God. When we're full of pride, we are absent of any uh, sense of God. It separates us from God. When pride has its way with us, we end up lifting ourselves up, exalting ourselves, serving ourselves, thinking about ourselves, trusting ourselves, And the problem with that is scripture says our job, we're made to exalt God, to serve God, to trust and think and contemplate God. And so pride is the ultimate form of idolatry because idolatry is ultimately putting something first ahead of God. And pride puts us uh, as as an idol ahead of God Uh, because an idol is whatever we consider the ultimate and most important thing in our life. And that we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. So this is where pride manifests. In the beginning, it's uh, Adam and Eve were given everything they needed for a good and meaningful life. And we're about to read that in a minute. And everything, all was well with them and with God until Satan came along and tempted them to eat from the one tree. The Lord said, hey, one command. And think about the freedom of the garden. These are all yes trees. Yes, 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 yes. Hey, but there's one thing I'm just asking you, no. Okay? Don't eat from this tree. And we could get into why that is. Um, it, I, but anyway. And what was Satan? Satan says to them, oh, you know what? Because God, God knows when you eat from that tree, you're going to be like him. He said, cause, and, uh, and so he's, the enemy said, Satan said, you will certainly, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That was all they needed to hear. You'll be like God. And that seed of sin was planted in their heart. God told them what to do in order to flourish. Now listen, this is where pride comes in. But in their pride, they thought they knew better than God. You see where that's pride? But God told me this, but I know better. Pride. And they chose to disobey God, which all disobedience is a form of pride. 
because it's like, oh, God said to do this to live a flourishing life, but I know better and I'm going to do that. Uh, and this sin separated them from God and they broke their relationship with God. And it does the same for us. It separates us from, from God. So that's why pride is deadly because it's the sin that can separate us from God. It's why it's so serious. And pride's deadly to our relationship with God and with one another. So think about this. When you're at the center, can you trust someone who's completely self-centered? Think about that. When you're at the center, when it's all about us, it crowds other people out. So it pushes God out, but it actually pushes people out. For example, think about this. What keeps you and I from celebrating other people's successes? Hey, someone just got a raise or someone got a promotion. They just got a great house. And you're like, uh, or they, or, or apologizing when you know you're wrong or initiating apology, uh, apology when you know you were 5% wrong and they were 95% wrong. Or what keeps you and I, what keeps you and I arguing the point a long, long time after we've realized we don't actually really have a good point. We're just trying to argue the other person down. Or what causes us to power up when we should be opening up? Pride. Pride. Pride's incredibly destructive to relationships. It keeps us from admitting what we need to admit. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I don't know it all. I'm sorry. Uh, and, uh, and apologizing when we need to apologize. We've all had that strange emotional thing, right? You know when you know you need to apologize, but you just can't get it out of your mouth. And you're going, what is that thing? I can tell you what the answer is now. Fill in the blank. Ah, pride. <laughs> right? And I have it. I do it all. I do it. I feel it. And here's the other thing. This is really important. You say it, but I want to have loving relationships. Pride keeps you and I from having loving relationships because we've now separated from God. So we can't have a love relationship with God, which is what we were made for. And it keeps us from having a love relationship with people as well. It diminishes our capacity because you see, when you're full of you, there's no room for anybody else. And Guess what? It's, you can't trust someone who is constantly self-centered. I'm not going to trust someone who I think is constantly angling to get their way. And it's so insidious that we don't even see it. See, pride deprioritizes everybody else in the room. It's about me. It's about my looks. It's about, hey, am I getting compliments? So the bottom line is pride is destructive and it puts us in prison. It shuts us in and it keeps God and other people out. It's why pride leads to great loneliness and oftentimes resentment. Now, nobody wants to live like this. Nobody would choose this on purpose. It's like this cancer that slowly works its way up in our, in our souls and in our beings. And that's why it's such a tough sin to battle. And here's the thing. Pride's a challenge because it's easy to spot in other people. <laughs> But it's almost impossible to see in the mirror. And that's what the Bible says. According you know, to Scripture, it's deadly and it camouflages itself. So it, again, I said it's like bad breath. Everybody else knows you have bad breath, but you. You're the last one to know. Or it's like the nose on our face. Everybody else can see it more easily than we can. So how do we begin to battle this thing? That's, that's what we want to look at now. And I have a list of great things that help us go from pride to humility, which is the character of Jesus. 
But I'm going to start out, we're going to start out just taking baby steps. We're only going to talk about one thing today. And uh, again, I hope we can come back to it. But the secret in battling pride is to imitate Jesus' example of humility. We have to invite Jesus in because Jesus died for our sins. Only he can bring about this soul-healing, spirit-filled renewal of our lives. And that's where it begins. But then we walk in the way of Jesus. We follow his example. And this was a key theme in his ministry. Um, And if we can follow Jesus' example, it will kill pride. And it will help us develop a love relationship with God and with others, which is what we were made for. It will help us win the race of life that God is cheering us on for. Run the race that I marked out for you. I have you on this earth for a purpose. Your life matters, and I want to see it used for God's good and uh, uh, God's glory and people's good. And that's what God's cheering you on for. So Jesus calls us to follow him, not just to go to church. And those are different things. And by following him means we live the way he taught us to live. And we learn that from one another. We learn that from the word of God. But again, we're going to keep it simple today. So we're going to look at one teaching and one practice that helps us cultivate humility. And so Jesus told this parable in Luke 18, very important parable. And he said this in verse 9, To some who were confident of their own righteousness, proud, and who looked down, on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. So he's talking to proud religious people. He said, two men went to the temple. Awesome. I mean, like <laughs> all the people in the world who don't go to church, these two guys are actually going to church. This is going to be a great story, you know, and, and I, I hope it ends well, right? They were going to the temple to what? To pray. Oh my gosh. Not only are they going to church, they're going there to talk to God, to pray, right? One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. Now, again, this is Luke, and so the beauty of this story is you already know who the good guy is and the bad guy. You've already kind of written the end of the story, which is what Jesus often does, and then you go, oh, no, I didn't see that coming, so get ready for this. Are you ready for this? Okay, thank you. The Pharisee stood up. Now, read this line with me, and and, and actually, it's a little different on your screen. So I'm going to, here's the literal translation, okay? The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. What? The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. He said this, listen to this prayer. God, I thank you. Sounds good so far, right? God, I thank you that I am not like other people. God, God, there are people who rob people. Thank you, God, I'm not one of them. Hallelujah, am I amazing or what? God, you know, people, they go out and they do evil. They do evil stuff. They hurt people. They steal stuff. They, they, uh, they, they're sexually immoral. I, I'm not that guy. Lord, there's people who are adulterers. They cheat on other people's spouses. And God, I thank you I'm not like them. Now, he's praying in the temple. And another guy, the guy, the other guy's praying. Or even like this tax collector. What a loser, God. I'm not like him. I fast and I give a tenth of all I get. So this guy... He fasts, you know, he has certain ascetic practices and he's, and he gives his tithe and he's like, woo, 
Yay me! God, what do you say? Right? This is the prayer. You gotta listen, you gotta read your Bible and you gotta think about it. You're like, this is a really okay. But the tax collector, okay, stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Okay, Jesus, great story. What's the point? Okay, here's the point. Verse 14. I tell you that this tax collector, this man, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. The tax collector leaves. He's going home with it. He's right with God. That's what justified means. Just as if I've never sinned, that I've been forgiven, that I'm clean with God, that I've been purified. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Boom. Mic drop. What? And, and if we really read this story, we got to sit with it for a minute and go, that doesn't make sense. Is that? Wait, that, is, that doesn't seem right. There's something wrong there. It seems like, what is the point here? The humble person, listen, is utterly dependent on God and his mercy and his grace. That's the humble person. I'm not depending on me. I'm depending on God. The proud person is dependent on themselves and their human and spiritual achievements as they see them. The humble person reveres and worships God. The the humble person, as C.S. Lewis said, uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself. So it's not about thinking, oh, I'm the worst. I'm a loser. In fact, in Romans 12.8, I'll just give you this little 12.3. You can look it up. It says, do not think of yourself more highly than you all. Don't be proud, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has given you. And that idea of sober judgment, this is one of the most freeing, beautiful verses in scripture. It means you see yourself as God sees you. Yeah, I'm, I'm sinful. I missed the mark, but I'm creating the image of God. I'm loved by God. Actually, when you have sober judgment, you have clear vision. That's what that word means, that sober judgment. I actually see what's true and real. That that is the doorway to freedom. As I depend on the grace of God, I can be fully human, which means to be fully yourself. You got beautiful gifts. You got a fun personality. You, you, you know, you, and, uh, and all those things are meant to be just um, something you can delight and enjoy, that God made you a certain way. You have certain gifts. You play instruments. You play this beautiful music. Man, thank you, God, that you gave me this, that I can do this. So it's not thinking less of yourself. Listen, it's thinking of yourself less. See, pride makes me preoccupied with me. Humility makes me preoccupied or or focused on God, focused on others. Because you know what? I'm good in my soul because I'm right with God. I'm that guy. I go home justified. So how do we grow in humility? I want to make two critical observations from this passage and with one practice. And the first thing is this. We have to become self-aware. See, the whole point here is pride blinds us. I'll just say pride blurs our vision. But pride blinds us to what's true and real. In many situations, it blurs our vision. So you see the Pharisee says in verse 11, what does he say? I'm not that guy. (laughs) 
Thank you, God. I'm not a robber. I'm not an evildoer. I'm not an adulterer. And we go, yeah, I get, I get that, right? I get that. He's not seeing reality. He actually is blind, even though he thinks he sees. And that's that famous song, Amazing Grace, how sweet that saved a wretch like me. I once was uh, uh, lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. We all have spiritual blindness and pride creates that. And so you go, I'm not that guy, right? And we kind of resonate with that. Or when's the last time you robbed someone? Maybe you did this week and God will for, can forgive you. But, um, but look, go on social media, right? Like this is a thing I realized. I heard someone say this and I thought, I'm that guy. Uh, so you go on social media or your news feed and you're not even sure why. I want you to be thinking about that. I'm scrolling on my phone and you're looking for stories and there's a big shooting. You're like, oh my gosh. Uh, or there's evil in the world. You go, man, I hope Putin needs to get him. I, I mean, I don't know who else needs to get punished, but he needs to get it, right? He's an evildoer. Um, or, uh, or so-and-so just cheated on so-and-so. I don't know what's going on with Tom Brady and Giselle. I don't know. But, you know, there's drama and things like that. And everybody's like, oh, eat it up, eat it up. And you know what we say? You know, you kind of you you put your phone down. You're like, thank you, God. Man. I'm not that guy. I didn't kill anybody today. Thank you, God. I'm not Putin. I'm not, you know, invading Ukraine. Thank you, God. I'm not, and blah, blah, blah. And what we do is we actually take on the Pharisee. Our, our, your phone and your news feed and your social media can feed this idea of comparing yourselves with others and saying, thank you, God. I'm, my life may not be great, but I don't do that. I'm self-made. I look at myself and I, I've made a good life for myself. This is what pride does, right? I, I'm better than a lot of other people. One older, wiser Christian told me this in my young Christian life. Hey, Christianity is this. The Christian life is this. You're a beggar. I didn't like that very much because I thought, I got a degree. What do you mean I'm a beggar? Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. They didn't buy the bread. It's, it's all gift. It's all grace. It's all, it's all a total gift from God. And if life isn't a gift from God, really, this is important because as we come to close, this is really important. Then it's a gift from me. My life is a gift from me if it's not a gift from God. And I, that's worth pausing right now and thinking about. If your life is not a gift from God, it's a gift from you. And you're like, okay, yeah, I kind of admit that. That means you earn it. You got to do it. And that pressure to win and control and to look good and to impress people, you know what that becomes? Overwhelming. You can't carry that. And guess what that leads to? Anxiety, stress, depression. No wonder suicide is through the roof. Because pride in all its symptoms, it will kill you if you don't kill it. And Peter, when talking about pride, in the verse I read, said, cast your care upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. Well, if you don't trust the Lord, if you're not living as though God is real, if you don't experience the love of God, then if God is not your Lord, then and he's not in first place, you can't cast it. You got to carry it. And it's crushing you. And you go, why do I feel so stressed out? Why do I feel so anxious all the time? I just want you to take a look and say, maybe because I'm trying to be God. Because that's what pride does. It makes you in control of everything. And you were never made to carry that burden. It will crush you. But that's what pride does. That's what pride does. And this is one of the things that's really important. Pride is a comparative sin. 
So the joy, so oftentimes we get involved in sin, we're looking for legitimate things that God wants to give us. God wants you to have joy. But joy doesn't come this way. The joy doesn't come from, and so in pride, the joy doesn't come from just being smart. That's not going to give you your pseudo hit of adrenaline. It comes from being smarter. The joy doesn't come from being rich. It comes from being richer. The joy doesn't come from being successful or fill in the blank. It comes from being better than other people. And that's pride. And that pressure never ends. And one way to test if you have pride in your life is how frustrated or angry do you get when you see it in someone else? Like, oh, I can't stand that person. They're so full of themselves. Well, that you spot it, you got it. Okay, uh, just think about that. So the bottom line here is the Pharisee can't see God. You can't look up when you're always looking down on people. And he doesn't see himself, but the tax collector is self-aware. So he's self-aware. He sees himself, and we're going to close on this. So this is what I want you to do this week. This one, pray from a place of conscious dependence on God and the Holy Spirit. And that's what the tax collector does, a simple prayer. He says, he stood at a distance, would not even look up to heaven. He beats his breast and he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He sees God as great, as, as worthy of praise, as high above him. And, and he, he sees himself as appropriately below. Hummus comes from the root word for earth. That's humility. That I'm earthy, that I understand that God is above and I'm, I'm of the earth. And I, I'm so grateful he made me. But we're not on the same level. And this guy sees that. And he beats his breast as a sign of, Lord, I know I've fallen short. I'm falling short. And... And he starts his prayer with God. You know why? Because it's not all about him. He needs the God of the universe who's in control of all things and over all things and holds all things together to grab a hold of his life. He says, have have mercy on me. God, I can't heal myself. I know I deserve uh, 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 consequences and I deserve judgment. And God, I'm asking you to have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. You can forgive me. You can heal me, Lord. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I've missed the mark. I'm off. And I admit that. And I just say, God, heal me. God, I don't even know how to fix myself, but you do. Would you please have mercy on me, a sinner? I've broken your laws. I've hurt people. I've missed the mark. I'm a sinner, but by your grace, I can be saved and forgiven. And Jesus said, that guy, that prayer, that approach to God, he left God. He left right with God. He left justified. And that kind of prayer, that kind of life, that kind of posture of imitation of Jesus will help you and I cultivate humility. So that's the one thing I'm telling you. Hey, are you aware of your own pride? And two, will you pray a simple prayer this week? And I want to encourage you to pray this prayer. This prayer became so important in the early church. It became known as the Jesus prayer. And the, in the, in the um, early church, they, they just made this a core part of their spiritual practice. And so you may have prayed that. And so I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. And this is what it's uh, become over the centuries. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, you're in control. Jesus Christ, my Savior. Son of God, you're the king of the universe. Would you have mercy on me today? I know I've missed the mark. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner.
starting every day for the next week, just making that a part of your rhythm, your prayer. That simple prayer and sitting with it and then saying, God, now help me to run the race today that you marked out for me so that I can do, be who you called me to be and do what you called me to do. God has a race for you to run and he wants you to win it. And this is a place to start. This, this sin of pride can tangle us all up, but God wants to free us from it. He wants to make us like Christ. He wants to make us humble. And we can have that if we will follow him in these simple ways. So would you pray with me right now? And if you're, you're here today and you're like, I've never even turned to God in this way, then I want to invite you to receive Christ today and invite him into your life. And you can just simply pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I've broken your law. I've hurt people. Lord, I've messed up and I, I, I want to be the person that I know you created me to be. I believe in you. I trust that you died for my sins. And I'm asking you, Lord, to help me to be the person you made me to be. To run the race you've called me to run. And Lord, to live a life of humility. And I pray that you'd help me to walk with you and follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed with us, would you put that in the messages and let us know? We'd love to help you take your next steps of faith. Let's pray that prayer this week. Let's walk in humility and let's join Jesus on the race he has for each one of us. God bless. Bye.